All right. Welcome to episode 51 of the Point of Pittsburgh podcast. I'm Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. So, Steve, um, the winter meetings are being held in Nashville, which is a pretty good food city. Um, so that's probably a good way to segue into my new favorite segment we've been doing for a little bit now. Where'd you eat last week? Yeah, so I I don't have uh, and my, my mine's not exciting this past week, but I went to uh, went to D Six Packs and Dogs in uh, mm-hmm. you know Regent Square. Always uh, always a standard, you know, as far as uh, you know, just dogs and bad for you food goes. I, I don't. I, we went to dinner though. I don't like the dinner vibe. Like I like it. I like it better as a, a lunch joint. Personally, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, but it's it's just kind of one of those deals where you just I, I almost prefer to eat there by myself because, you know, I usually eat an embarrassing amount of food when I'm there. Uh, and it's <laughs> generally speaking the messiest. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, it's not it's not the uh, it, it's a lonely lunch venue, not a not a, a night out with friends. That's my humble opinion. Yeah, you're not going to impress people there. You're not having business centers at these um i did not eat anywhere very interesting so i will respectfully pass this week just go Um, straight up pass yeah yeah i was just kind of like kind of like a little bit of a rut you know ate at home obviously with the family but didn't really even eat out uh anywhere interesting of note so i will i will pass so steve the Pirates went into the winter meetings and they had a, a directive to start to accumulate some arms for the a rotation that is sorely lacking them. Uh, I think you and I were both hoping they're going to come out of the winter meetings with two out of the probable three that they need. However, they only came out with one, and that one is Mr. Marco Gonzalez. Would you like to speak about Mr. Gonzalez? Yeah, so um, so I don't hate it. Um, he was uh, acquired from the Braves, who had just acquired him from the Seattle Mariners. So in a series of salary dumps, uh, he arrived at in, in Pittsburgh. Although it seems like Atlanta ate most of his meaningful salary, you know. Um, so uh, it, I. It, yeah, unless I'm and you know unless I'm mathing wrong, I think both the Braves and Seattle are eating four and a half million of his salary. Although I guess in a convoluted way, um, you know, Seattle's not actually eating his; they're eating uh, Evan White's, another one of the guys that got salary dumped uh, to the Braves this past week. Uh, but uh, you know, it was. Um, I, I don't. I don't dislike it. I, I think he's a. I think he's a good rebound potential guy. You know, I mean, he's had some good years. Uh, you know, last year he at the very least ate a ton of innings. So I, I mean, if he gets back to the point where he's eats, I mean, I think it was oh, he was over 180 innings. You know, if if he ends up being the Pirates' fifth starter, Steve, that was the year before. Oh, last year, 2023, correct? Yeah, or, excuse me, yeah, 2022. Last... You're right, right, right. That's. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
Last year he had 50 innings, I want to say. So he's yes. he's he's already coming. He's coming equipped with a, a, a with an elbow forearm injury. Like the the Pirates don't even have to do that to him. It's already mm-hmm. been done to him. So yeah, I mean it's uh, so he is. Um, so I mean he he has the potential to eat some innings if he stays healthy. I think he's a, a fine fifth starter. I think he's being paid a, a very reasonable amount of money. I think the the Pirates are on the hook for a very reasonable amount of money for him. Um, you know, uh, I, and, and I think he leaves some room for the Pirates to go out and get others. You know, uh, you know when when Oviedo went down, and and it went from needing two pitchers to really needing three pitchers. I really do think that that kind of changed, you know, maybe what the expectation level was going to have to be, especially for that third starter. I'm still hoping that they pull off somebody in the 10, 11, 12 million dollar range to like sort of complement Mitch Keller sort of near the top of the rotation. Uh, You know, I mean, obviously you're not going to get a proper ace or number two for that amount of money right now, but I'm I'm still hoping that they'll spend in that range and and get somebody that's that's more of that ilk. But, uh, you know, for a back end guy, that's a rebound potential. I mean, he's a he's a five that could play as a four. You know, uh, if he somehow really turns on the way back, you know, he could he could even play as a middle of the rotation sort of guy. But I, I think that's an unreasonable expectation to that he's going to get that far. But I think he's he's a fine five, um, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping he can get through the whole season. Really, if he can just get the Pirates, um, you know, long enough until they can get a little healthy or, you know, they can get Paul Skeens up. You know, I mean, that's fine, too. So, yeah, so but I think it's a good pickup. That's kind of where I am at on it uh, in terms of your last point. I don't think he's good. I think he is going to be pitching with a gigantic fork sticking out of his back all year. Um, I just think that let's just even say that between the Braves and the Mariners, they're going to eat half of his 12.25. So the Pirates got him for math purposes, say $6 million, even if it's worst case, $8 million. That's not a lot of money, and they can stick him in the five spot, and that's the Skeens holder. Um, that's a guy that, you know, whether it's in June, you've already, if, in the Pirates' mind, they only have to eat $3 million, whether that's moving him or uh, putting him, you know, on the waivers or whatever. Um, so be it. I just don't, I can't get too excited about him for anything other than uh, a rebound candidate of number five and just like a Skeens placeholder. So the Pirates still need to do some, some serious work here. Yeah, they've got to get, they still do need to get two more guys. I mean, no question yeah. about that. Uh, it's yeah. not even really, it's not even really close. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I really don't want to go into the season with, you know, falter, Gonzalez and one of the, you know, the, one of the Ortiz Contreras Priester, you know, trifecta of, you know, miserable young pitchers as the number five, you know, they've got to get somebody else. They just, they, they just have to, if this team's going to compete. So the pirates in the lead up to the winter meetings, uh, made an addition to the catching ranks, uh, by signing Ali Sanchez, um, to a split deal. Uh, 
So there's obviously the major league salary component of it of, you know, 700-some thousand, but there's also $125,000 if he's playing in AAA. Um, he has no options, so he would have to go through the waiver wire in order to be put down in the minors, but I got to think there's not going to be a huge demand for him. But it's also kind of signals that there could be a prelude to another move coming. Uh, that move does not appear to be moving on from Henry Davis because it, there's all sorts of videos of him on his Instagram already uh, getting reps in as a catcher. So it's quite a logjam back there. Uh, I don't know what that means for Jason DeLay. He probably shouldn't be uh, purchasing property in the Pittsburgh area right now, but um, we'll see where this plays out. But what are your kind of basic thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think we're probably along the same lines. So Sanchez did have a really good year last year. So, um, I, I mean, I think that he could be you know, kind of a transitional backup until or, or third catcher until Davis really is, you know, solidly ready to catch at the major league level. I, I, you know, I've never seen that Davis was that bad of a catcher. Anytime that I've watched him, I mean, he looked fine. Like I know he, you know, as good of an arm as he has, I know he didn't have the greatest, you know, record against stolen bases, but, or excuse me, you know, against, you know, base runners, stealing bases against him. But, uh, you know, I mean, some of that's just the minor leagues and pitchers not holding runners on as well as, you know, they, they could, or just not paying as much attention to that. Um, I mean, I didn't really see a ton of, you know, I, I didn't see a ton of like the, 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 the receiving wasn't like glaringly bad. You know, the, I don't know, you know, the game calling, I don't think that was glaringly bad either. I, I mean, you know, maybe he's not framing pitches as well as he could. Um, the blocking seemed fine. I, I just didn't, I, there wasn't, I, I never saw him behind the plate and thought, my God, this guy's Ryan Domit. Mm-hmm. That's, there's no way he's worse than Ryan Domit. Just no way. Um, I've never understood what they did last year. I never understood why in a non-winning season that they weren't giving him reps behind the plate, uh, you know, at the tail end of it before he, he was, you know, banged up a little bit, yeah. obviously, but, um, it, it just never made sense to me. Um, I, I think a better way of putting it is not that he's better than Ryan Domit as a con- reason why it's confusing that they sort of moved him off the end of last year. He's clearly, clearly a better catcher than he is a right fielder, which was a really, really rough to watch experiment last season. <sighs> yeah, but that arm. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it. He did. The, the arm did look great from right field. I mean, there's, there's really no denying that. But you know, he, <laughs> you know, if if a ball was hit on the ground to him, you know, in the outfield, I mean, it was, it was like, you know, all bets were off. You know, he looked like Alvarez out there, letting him go through his legs. You know, but, so. Um, but don't you think an I, off season? Don't you think an off season of that? would have been a much easier path than an off season of going back to school as a catcher, so to speak. It's right field is incredibly much easier to learn than catcher. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he only he already has a baseline there at catcher, though. I mean, it's not like he's starting 100% from scratch. I, I, I see your point, 100% see your point. And, and, I mean, you're right. If he would have worked on it like a full offseason instead of it sort of being like a throw-in that he started doing like two weeks before his call-up, you know, it might yeah. look a lot better. And I'm sure exactly. I'm sure eventually, eventually it will work out for him and he won't be banned. But I don't really see... Other than the arm, I don't see a huge, huge upside for him in right field. Not to mention the fact that I mean his bat's going to play so much better behind the plate. You know, I mean maybe maybe when it maybe it gets to a point where you know Endy's the primary catcher and he plays enough right field that he's competent that when Endy's behind the plate, he can play in right field to keep his bat in the lineup. And then one day a week he's catching, you know, that'll help his bat play better. And, you know, it'll help fill, you know, multiple, multiple positions, you know, I mean, the Pirates will still have to have a good backup right fielder, you know, as well, just to have, you know, for those days where, you know, uh, Davis is either out of the lineup or, you know, catching, um, you know, but I, I don't know. I, I think he's uh, he's got a longer way to go in right field, in my humble opinion, than he does behind the plate. So the Pirates also made a minor move, picking up a definitely a rehab type project in Ben Heller, uh, signed to a minor league deal for the bullpen. Um, he's going to be thirty-two years old next year, and he has a grand total over five major league seasons of 50 innings of, uh, of of work. So I can't see a lot of upside for him aside from AAA depth. Yeah, I, I think that's probably mostly where he ends up. And I was really, really hoping that the Pirates would do something else today so we didn't have to talk about him. You know, yeah. I was really hoping that they would do something specifically so we didn't have to so we could bump Ben Heller and not have to, 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 to talk about him for time, you know, just to make sure that we have an actual episode of the podcast, you know? Well, the Pirates didn't do something, which uh, I am very happy about, and I think you're moderately happy about, and that's they did not select someone in the Rule 5 draft. Um, I'm going to read the tea leaves here, and this is really going out on a limb. Uh, I'm going to say that they did that for a purpose that they did not want to have to hide someone on a roster that they are hoping is going to be a competitive roster. Now, that's really stretching it here in December because this roster is far from being competitive. But uh, I took it as a heartening sign that there wasn't anybody that they wanted to uh, burn a roster spot on, so to speak, and have to play games with all year. So, so I'm I think I'm there were a few. Yeah, oh, I agree with you 100 percent on that. That they didn't that they didn't take like some junk, like well, not junk, but you know, like uh, a ball prospect and and stash him in the bullpen this year or something like that, and just basically waste a roster spot. I mean, obviously last year it worked out just fine. You know they 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 got a nice they got a nice piece that they could actually use right away. That's not the way it normally works out. You and I both know that. I thought that there was a chance, and there were a few players that I feel like were 
you know, as major league ready as they're going to get in this draft. And Troy Johnston is obviously the one that everybody, you know, on Twitter loved, but he got passed over by every single team in baseball. So evidently, you know, uh, Pirates Twitter was was a step behind on that one. Um, (laughs) You know, what the tea leaves that I'm reading with them passing on him is that they do actually have some, some real plans at first base to, to do something there. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to be major, but I think that they will make a signing and probably in the, the reasonably near future. I mean, you know, based on what they said coming into the winter meetings, it sounds like the focus is on pitching and I can't think of his name that, that the A's selected from the Yankees organization. If he was there for the pirates and obviously he, you know, was picked eight picks before them, you know, or nine picks before them. Um, Spence, Spence, right? Spence, Spence. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think, yeah. I believe you're, you're correct. But I mean, he's, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that they probably could have put into the picture of, of actually starting the season in the rotation. You know, he's, he, you know, he didn't have a great year last year, but I mean, you know, he was in triple a in the, with an ERA in the, in the fours. I mean, I, you know, I give him a shot, you know, like, you know, what's, you know, at least put him in the mix. You know, that, that's, that's one of those deals. And and Johnson theoretically could have gone into the lineup right away. If they were going to draft that type of player that it, that, that they were like, you know, triple a battle tested, maybe just, you know, a little old in the tooth to still be considered a prospect, but at the same time doing things and deserving of a chance the, that's the sort of player that I would have been fine with them drafting this year. But that being said, <laughs> I'm still fine with them not even taking that type of player. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Pirates in the 2024 uh, draft, Rule 4 draft, they will be drafting ninth. Um, And I got to say, first off, I couldn't tell you any of the top prospects in the 2024 draft because it's December. And if you recall, this time last year, we were messing around with Chase Stallender's name, thinking he was going to be the 1-1. Uh, I think, I don't think either of us even had the name Paul Skeens on our lips. Nope. Um, we were definitely talking more about Dylan Cruz, of course. Um, so what I'm trying to say is it's early. However, I did look uh, at a T10 list, and it was populated by probably eight maybe nine college players who yep. were either at or destined to be at second base and first base, which does not inspire a lot of confidence. Um, so it feels like this is a good year to not be picking in the top five. Now, downside, you don't get the huge bonus pool, right? but the Pirates ex- haven't exactly been covering themselves in glory with... Uh, utilizing that bonus pool to the fullest extent uh, every year. So yeah. do you have any thoughts so on it, them going knife? I mean, I think it's a fine pick. And interestingly enough, that's where Chase Dollander ended up going this past year. So um, hmm. I, I don't think that there's going to be a ton of value 
in the draft in general. Like, I just don't – there's not a huge upside. Like, there, I think that there were probably – I mean, there were easily five guys in the draft last year that would have gone 1-1 in this draft. And I don't think there's really oh, any yeah. question about that. Um, yeah. the, the the group of five, any one of them would have been the number one overall pick this year. Uh, I think you could probably make the net, the uh, the argument for you know anybody in the next four picks to go in that top. You know, you know, towards the top of this draft as well too. You know, I, I mean, you know, Rhett Louder. I mean, a really major league sort of ready advanced pitcher. You know, that he went seventh to the Reds last year. He might have gone there. You know, Chase Dollander, big arm, big upside. Even though he didn't have a great year last year, might have been enough to carry him into the top. You know, into the one one of this draft. Um, I think that clearly whoever's picking towards the top is going to be, you know, picking with the intent of saving some money and and focusing maybe a little later on in the draft, you know, getting saving some money and then going over slot later. And I think that is I that is the real value of drafting early in this this class. Um, there's not a huge upside. And like you said, it's a lot of first basemen. Like a lot of first basemen, and and I think there's one guy in that's projected right now as ninth overall. That is the um, uh, he he is looking like he's going to be in the uh, the conversation for uh, the Pirates. Um, but that being said, uh, it's not crazy to think that a high school player could come out of the no out of nowhere at this point and sort of move way up the draft board. I know that they were talking about Max Clark pretty much all of last draft. I think Walker Jenkins sort of maybe I'm wrong in saying that. I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna make a definitive statement, but I mean, like I I don't think he was talked as strongly about you know in December as in that group of like five or in comparison with Max Clark, uh, you know, as early, I think he came on a little bit later. Um, you know, so I, a lot can happen there. I, I would be surprised to not see some, uh, some, some high school players move up the draft. And obviously you're going to see some, you're going to see some jockeying amongst these, these college players. Um, I would be kind of surprised to see the pirates go anywhere other than a college player, unless the value is really there. Um, Not because I think that, you know, not because I think they have to be in a hurry to get somebody to the major leagues. Uh, I just, you know, again, right now you might as well go with somebody that's ready. If there's not going to be somebody that's got huge upside available to you uh, in, in the first round. And you also, even at the ninth pick, if you can save a little bit of money and uh, and for for somebody a little later on, you know, go for it. It's not going to be as dramatic as that one one, but um, if you can get a good player and, and and still have a little left over for maybe a prep guy, uh, you know, in in the sandwich round or or in the second round, you know, then that's that's good too. You know, so I, I do know that they're in Comp A in in that group. They're the fourth pick in Comp A, so uh, so they will have two first round picks this year. I'm going to give you a couple guys to kind of end the show. Um, I want to give you uh, just like a real quick first impression of when I say these names. Uh, one I know is a guy that you were 
sort of stumping for a little bit last year, and he is back on the market after signing a two-year deal with an opt-out after the first year. And that is uh, Seth Lugo. And then the second guy is a guy who has been loosely, tenuously connected to the Pirates, uh, and that's Jack Flaherty. So would you like to give a quick hitter on either of those two guys? So I think Seth Lugo's probably... I don't want to say that he's priced himself out of the Pirates range, but I think the I think the market's going to be a little bit more competitive on him this year than it was last year. So he's not a guy that I think is in the cards for the Pirates this season. That being said, um, Flaherty sort of... He reminds me of maybe a, a slightly better version of... Marco Gonzalez, like, I think that he's kind of, I mean, obviously a right-handed version of him. I mean, they're, they're very dissimilar pitchers. I'm just saying like sort of the level of them. Like, I, I think that, you know, I think Gonzalez is a solid five borderline four. If he pitches up a little bit, I think that Flaherty is probably a decently solid four, although probably not as close to the borderline as I do Gonzalez. So like, I mean, he scratches an itch, but again, he's just not super, super exciting. I don't want him to be the guy that they're signing and saying, okay, here's our number two behind Keller. You know, um, you know, that being said, uh, I kind of understand why the pirates want to sign guys to short term deals. Cause there's a lot of internal moving parts that can really sort of, they can go a lot of different directions this year. You know, Luis Ortiz or Contreras, you know, he could surprise us. Contreras could bounce back. Priester could, um, you know, take a step forward. And all of a sudden that's a guy that's in the rotation. You know, Paul Skeens could come back. You know, Brubaker could look good. You know, like they've got us, they've got so many, there's so many variables in in house Jones even I didn't even mention him. Um, there's so many variables and players that are in house now that could you know go go one way or the other. There's there's just not a lot of certainty in the rotation. You know they you know and 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 usually when you hear somebody say there's not a lot of certainty, it's usually a bad thing. But I think that there's a lot of certainty uncertainty in a potentially good way too because some of these guys might work out. And, and, you know, do you really want to lock up somebody like Flaherty for two, three years um, if that's what the market's dictating for him when you might have somebody that's actually better than him, you know, and cheaper than him that's that's just waiting in the wings in your farm system that just hasn't quite gotten there yet? Um, I mean, so that's kind of – that's my long, short take on Jack Flaherty. So, um you know, it, I, I like him on the short-term deal like they're trying to get him on. He's not a bad option. Don't want him at the front. But that being said, a lot can happen in this rotation. So what are your thoughts on those guys? Um, well, you know, it's interesting you said that about Flaherty and Gonzalez because both of them have been on the downslide just like uh, many of us since 2019. Um a lot of injury riddled years for, for Flaherty in there, and sure. it's a shoulder which is scarier than an elbow. Yes, um, but his age is appealing, and he 
he did flash front of the rotation potential, uh, you know, pre-2019. Um, he's only going to be 28, I believe, this coming year. So I believe that's correct. This is going to be his 28th season, yes. So that's that's appealing to me. I would, I would absolutely have no problem uh, giving him a two-year deal. Um, three, I would agree with you. I don't necessarily know if I want to lock him in for that. Uh, but I would definitely talk to him about a two. If he wanted a three, I would do some sort of opt out for him. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, some, something like that or a creative mutual option, uh, type deal. Um, but he's a guy that I'd be willing to take a look at, uh, really like Lugo, um, even more so, you know, I think you were kind of, I don't want to say ahead of the game on it, but I'm probably behind the game on Lugo this year. Um, and like you said, he's probably out of the Pirates range. But there, there's a lot of interesting pitchers out there that once Otani and Yamamoto go, I think that's when you're going to really see the action start to happen. Um, you know, you had a couple guys, uh, Reynaldo Lopez and Kenta Maeda, have signed, but I'm really interested in Lucas Giolito. Um, that's a guy that I'd really kind of be interested in. I think he's he's someone that you could very confidently say is going to be a two for the Pirates, um, three long-term type of guy. Um, and I don't think he's going to need like a, a four or five-year deal. I think he's a two to three-year deal kind of guy, but We'll see. I mean, every week is going to be different. Uh, supposedly, Shohei is going to make his decision on Sunday, and we'll see where that uh, takes the market. Yeah, I, I I wonder how much influence he's actually having over the pitching market this year. Like, I mean, obviously he definitely could. I think he's just having. I think he's such a big piece that he's just holding sway over the entire market. Even though he's probably not going to be. You know, a team's not going to be looking to him to pitch next season, but at right. the same time, like he's just such a big piece. Like, you know, I he's going to get well, he's, such a massive amount of money. Yeah, he's a big he's a big payroll slot, and he's not going to pitch in twenty twenty four. But I, I almost guarantee he's going to want to get back on that bump in twenty twenty five. Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. So you know that is going to alter some long-term plans. I mean, the numbers, people are saying he's going to crest 500 million and it could be 550. I've even seen some people theorizing 600 million, which is unbelievable. Um, even for a player of his, his obvious caliber. Uh, I do think he's going to go to the Dodgers, Dave Roberts aside. Um, I just cannot see him pitching in Toronto. I really can't see that. Yeah. Plus all uh, the stuff's already basically there. Like, I mean, it's so much easier yes. to just move your, your crap right. from Anaheim to LA. Like you, he yeah. might even like, I mean, if he was already living in like, I don't know, like Irvine or Santa Ana, mm-hmm. which I'm sure he wasn't living in either of those places, you know, <laughs> he doesn't even, he barely even has to move, you know, like, yeah. I mean, all of his stuff's there. Like that to me, 500 and X what's an extra 50 million when your stuff is already there. That's right. That's right. Um, and it sounds like, uh, 
Steve Cohen, I believe, was over in Japan trying to woo Yamamoto. Is that correct, I think? Did I make that up? I could have made it up. I don't know. So it sounds like those two are going to kind of get, get rolling here pretty soon, and that'll break loose the market. We'll see what happens. Yeah, um, I think but, for sure. Uh, this is probably a good time for us to part ways and say thank you to the listeners as always. Uh, I am Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Thank you.